My name is uh, Jason Buss. I'm the member here at Faith Westwood United Methodist Church. If this is your first time uh, here, I do encourage you to come back to listen to Pastor Steve. I think it'd be very much worth your time. I'd like to start us off with prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you today to worship, to worship you with one heart and one mind. Though we all have differences, we come to you from different directions and different spaces. We come here today to worship, to send praises to you, to lift you up. I ask that you be with us today and with us always. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So when does worship begin? Nine o'clock, 1045? Well, that's when our corporate worship begins. And there's a lot of value in corporate worship. We get to learn. We get to learn new scripture. We may learn a, an interpretation of it in a scripture that we've heard our whole entire lives. We may get to learn the person who sits behind us name. Learning is an important part of corporate worship. We take time for prayer and reflection. We stop and we listen for God to speak. And we get to stop and pray for others as well. Maybe even that person who's you learned their name sitting behind you. We get to give. We, we get the opportunity to give to God. And that giving supports our church and missions. It also lets us learn. It lets us learn how to give. We also get to serve others. Many of us volunteer our time to help support the worship service from the ushers, coffee makers, people who sing in the choir, those people are giving their time and their gifts so that we can have a wonderful worship experience. Part of corporate worship is growing the Christian community. We may get to share something we learned during corporate worship. We may get to bring a, a friend to church have an opportunity for a, a chili feed or a, a, a band event and, and just an, that opportunity to invite someone else to our church. We get to build relationships and help others grow in their faith. Through all these things, we get to go, grow closer to God. So when does worship end? when Pastor Steve stops talking. But is there more than that? If we look at what worship is, uh, the definition, it's the feeling or expression of reverence and adoration for a deity. We look at worship that, that corporate worship is learning and growing the community of Christ. 
It's giving and service and prayer. If I look at the corporate worship, we do a pretty good job of Faith Westwood. I think that, that we, we, ha- we uh, express that feeling or expression of reverence and adoration for God. But is there more to worship? Is, is worship something we do on Sunday morning? It's, it's a check of a box. We, we pick up the kids. We, we go grocery shopping. We drop the car off at the mechanic. We go to worship. Check, 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 check. But is there something more? Let's take a look at Paul's journey from today's scripture reading. In Acts chapter 16, verse 9, it says, During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia to help us. Paul's mind was quiet enough to hear God. Paul understood that that having his mind too cluttered, cluttered with stuff, he couldn't really hear what God was saying. Do we take the time for prayer and reflection? Two weeks ago, and Pastor Steve's message, he said that he believed that God had something for you, that, that God had a mission for you. If God was screaming at the top of his lungs, would you be able to hear him? There was a a vice president of Oracle, which is a software company, who was so mired down with the day-to-day, he just knew he wasn't doing what he was called to do. He just knew something wasn't right. So he, he took a month off. Took a month off, and in that, that freedom, that time away, he came up with an idea. He came back to work, he quit, and he created a software company called Salesforce, which is one of the largest software companies in the world. Paul McCartney was sleeping, and he had a vision from his mother. And his mom said, Paul, Paul, you need to let it be. And Paul woke up that next morning, and he wrote the song, Let It Be. Now, I'm not saying that, that the VP of, of Oracle or Paul McCartney's vision came from God. But what they did use was a gift of God in, in allowing our mind to be free. Paul was worshiping God because he was attentive. He was there to hear God. If we jump down to verse 10 through 12, it says, after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. 
from Tauros, we went out to sea and sailed straight through Samothrace. And the next day, we went on to Nepalus. From there, we traveled on to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of that district of Macedonia. And we stayed there for several days. Not only was Paul listening to God, but Paul was willing to give. He was willing to give his time. I can't imagine that, that Paul was just sitting around doing nothing, waiting for God. I'm sure that he had plans that next day. Maybe he was going to go preach. Maybe he was going to go visit a friend or study scripture. Maybe Paul had planned to just take a me day, to just relax and reflect and do nothing. But Paul, whatever was on his agenda, set it aside. He set it aside to serve God. He set it aside to worship God. And Paul gave his money as well. Travel was expensive. Travel was expensive today. Travel was expensive then as well. Paul gave his, his resources to help worship God. Paul understood that his life couldn't be constrained if he was going to worship God. He wasn't consumed by prior commitments. He didn't say, God, I would love to go and serve you. I'd love to go and worship you, but I've got these things that I've got to do. Nor was Paul so constrained with that. Paul, uh, you know, God, I, I, I would love to, to help you. I'd love to serve you, but I, I just, I'm so mired in this debt. I'm so mired in this world that I can't serve you. Paul understood that he got to say no to good things so that he could say yes to great things. Now, saying no to good things is an excuse to do nothing, to just sit around and, and wait for that perfect opportunity. That's not what I mean at all. What I mean is when you say no, say no, and that's okay. But when you say yes, say yes with your whole heart, your whole mind, your whole body. Throw your entire self at your yeses. Truly commit when you say yes. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, it says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for human masters. In verse 13, Paul, uh, it says, On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. Now, I don't know about you, but when I'm reading the Bible, every once in a while, I get hung up on something. I get hung up on some irrelevant something that's like, I can't get past. This verse was it for me. 
There were two things in this verse that just didn't make sense. They weren't ringing true to my, my 2019 ears. The first one was where we expected to find a place of prayer. Paul had been in the city for three days. How could Paul have not prayed? Paul was, was, he was the king of prayer warriors. And yet Paul was looking for a place to prayer that didn't register to me. So I did what I normally do, and, and thanks to the internet, I have access to every single translation of the Bible. And I started reading this verse over and over and over again, and it kept saying the same thing over and over and over again. I think this is not helping me. In reading that, though, I ran across Barnes' notes. Uh, Albert Barnes wrote 14 volumes in 1830. And in uh, Barnes' notes, he referenced this passage. And after reading it, I was like, oh, this makes sense to me now. So I'm going to read what he wrote. Where there was a place of prayer, or where prayer was commonly offered, the Greek will bear either, but the sense is the same. That first line, it, it affirmed what I had been reading in all the translations. They were all saying the exact same thing. He went on to write, though, places for prayer were erected by the Jews in the vicinity and cities and towns, and particularly where there were not Jewish families enough or where they were forbidden by the magistrates to erect a synagogue. These prostitutes, or places of prayer, were simple enclosures made of stone in a grove or under a tree, where there would be a retired and convenient place for worship. Paul was looking for a church. That made sense to me. It's like, I, it's like, okay. Paul wasn't looking for a place of, of prayer in, in the traditional sense, but Paul was looking for a place of community. He was looking for a place to connect. Now, the second little piece of the scripture that got me hung up, and, and thanks to my good friend Albert Barnes, he helped me through that as well, was uh, speak to the women. I was like, well, why was Paul just speaking to the women? That didn't make sense to me, especially in the, the Jewish traditions of the time. Uh, Albert Barnes theorizes that it was probably before the regular service, uh, and, and the women had gathered early, and Paul was just talking to them. So once I got over my, my little mental hurdle there, I could dig into this scripture. Paul went out to seek God and to seek God's people. Paul wanted to, to go and, and be part of the community of, of believers in God. He wanted to be with like-minded people. And he wanted to seek a community of worship. In verse 14, one of those listenings was a woman from the city of Thyaria named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. Paul went to learn. He, he, he went to, to the synagogue to learn about God's word. 
And while he was there, he started sharing the stories of Jesus. He may have even shared his own conversion story. He learned Lydia's name. And then the Lord opened the heart of Lydia. The Lord opened the heart of Lydia. We, as Christians, can teach, preach, pray, love. We can be in blessed relationships. But the Lord opens hearts. Many of us are in relationships and, and we feel as though we are failing. This person I've been praying for and they're not coming to the Lord, I must be doing something wrong. We are here to be God's messengers. We are not here to be God. We can wait, we can plant, we can tend relationships. All of those things are extremely valuable. But know that the Lord opens hearts. In verse 15, when she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay in my house. And she persuaded us. As Paul was, was learning and, and building the community, he also saw an opportunity to serve. And he did so by gathering Lydia's family and baptizing them. He again made that sacrifice in worship to serve others. If we look back at what worship is, we determine that it was prayer and reflection, giving, building God's community, learning and service. Paul's entire trip was an act of worship. He opened his heart and his mind to hear God. He gave of his time and his resources. He went and he sought out fellow believers. He learned about Lydia. And finally, he served in baptism. When does worship end? Maybe a better question is, does worship end? We are called to be in constant worship. We're called to be the feeling or expression of reverence and adoration for God at all times, in all places. Now, Paul's mission, he went out and he sought people who were, who were Jews. He, he went out and sought those who believed similar things to him. But we're also called to seek out those who are different than us, who maybe have different political views, 
different skin colors, different sexual orientations. We are called to reach out to them. In Leviticus chapter 19, verse 24, or 34, excuse me, the foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born. Love them as yourself. For you were foreigners in Egypt, and I am the Lord God. We need to be in the heart of worship, to be in prayer and reflection. I've uh, read an interesting passage on prayer, and it it helped me a lot. Before I read this passage, it was, it was um, I considered prayer to be very much a traditional sense of prayer, uh, kneeling down, eyes closed, hands folded. And, and I always struggled with that uh, type of prayer. It, 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 was, it was hard for me to do. And, and in this book, uh, the author stated, prayer can be lots of things. You can pray while you're doing the dishes. And, and you can be in that connection and closeness with God while you're doing dishes or taking a walk. And I realized that, that my prayer time was when I ran. I don't run with headphones or anything. It's just that time when I get to just stop and silence my mind and connect with God. So however you can connect with God. We also need to give. We need to give selflessly. And as we're giving in our corporate worship, have that be an opportunity, a learning experience to give in other places in your life as well and to build that community around us to strengthen Christ's church. And we need to constantly be learning and studying, studying God's word. And finally, we need to be in service. We need to to give ourselves to others. Acts of worship, reverence, and adoration for God is to share God's story and the good news of the grace of God. Not the grace of man, but the grace of the one true God is for anyone who seeks it. Can you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you open our hearts, open our minds to be in that constant state of worship where we are are showing your love and your grace to those around us. Heavenly Father, I just... I just pray that, that you allow each of us to be your loving, serving, 
disciples. I ask this in your son Jesus' name. Amen.